G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. There's no doubt these are challenging times that we're in, experiencing those twists and turns as we're in and out of lockdowns and wondering who to believe around the COVID crisis, all that on top of the regular life challenges that we face, the financial pressures, the life-altering accidents, serious illnesses, loved ones dying, getting our career on track, or just the rough and tumble of work and family life. Well, we like to think that we'll be resilient in hard times with an ability to adapt in the face of stress and adversity. If we were really resilient, we'd be able to bounce back when we're knocked down in difficult experiences. What we don't always appreciate is that recovery from hard times often produces profound personal growth. Our conversation today is about surviving change and turning life's challenges into resilience. And back with us today, what a wonderful privilege it is, Wendy Burns, the author of the book Remarkable You, who's worked through her own what you would describe as unbearable troubles and now coaches others on turning life's challenges into resilience. Wendy Burns is a consultant and coach and an executive director of the John Maxwell team, having joined the John Maxwell University. Wendy's joining us on the line from Darwin in the Northern Territory. Wendy, a special welcome back to 2020. Well, good morning, Neil. What a privilege to be back with you today and your listeners. Hey, Wendy, you're in the Northern Territory and uh, some special opportunities arise. Uh, you were uh, in Nulanboy and Galawinku uh, in, uh, just recently. Uh, give us a little insight into what you were doing there. Uh, it was just such a privilege to be in Nulanboy and Galawinku with uh, the, the amazing women there as we launched our very first pilot program of Empowerment Women Conference, the East Armand Empowerment Women Conference, and had the privilege of flying out to Galawinku, uh, to the uh, Galawinku Women's Space, to be able to share on this topic, you know, what do we do with life challenges? And, you know, we're, they're definitely facing them there. And then uh, the next day we were in Nullamboy where we uh, got to speak with our, our local First Nation family as well as service providers. And incredible privilege to be able to speak into people's lives and to see what it's like to live in that space of where, you know, we're all facing, as you said, Neil, life challenges in all different forms. Life is coming at us really fast. And what we do, how do we, how do we turn this around? What do we do in those moments? So, yeah, it was a great privilege and to see the beautiful countryside and to spend time with these incredible women was, uh, you know, life-changing for me. Wonderful stuff. And uh, there are people listening to us, of course, in capital cities, large regional cities, country towns, uh, regional communities, and in Nulanboy and Galawinku this morning. So a special welcome to listeners there. Uh, What a privilege you have had in having Wendy Burns come and be a part of uh, some great uh, outstanding, as no doubt that it was, training. Hey, we're talking resilience today, Wendy, and... 
some people feel like resilience is something that just sort of happens or you grow up with it or whatever. How do you actually make some sort of definition around that? What do you describe resilience as? Resilience is an interesting word, isn't it? And um, people use it quite a lot. But I wonder if we really know what it means. I think resilience is, um, I I see this almost this image of a a big blow up, um, uh, you know, statue that you see at at fairs and and shows. And, you know, resilience is when, you know, when it's knocked over, it can bounce back up. And I think resilience for me is being able to think, okay, I can get back up. Okay, this has knocked me down in this moment, but what if I get back up and try again? And I think for me, resilience, and it's another word that I, you know, that's thrown around a lot is about uh, guts and courage, because I think it takes guts and it takes courage, and they're strong words, I know, that to get back up and to say, okay, what do I do with this? How do I turn this around? How do I make something out of this? this disaster that I faced or just a life challenge like resilience are, is, comes out of the life challenges we face every single day and they can be so, so big, which we're seeing right across the world and right across our nation. But it can be the little, little simple things that can also risk taking us out unless we have that ability to stand back up again. I think some people will say, uh, good on you, Wendy Burns, uh, using words that do relate to the way we need to be able to respond to the challenges that we have, uh, having guts, uh, having courage. And sometimes we don't think of resilience in those terms. Uh, sometimes we're encouraged to raise our children to be resilient. But I guess sometimes uh, using words like that, uh, raise your children to have guts, to have courage, that might be a way that a lot of Aussies relate to what we think about when we term resilience. Yeah, look, and they are good words. I think they relate to us all. And I think at the seasons that we're in, I think we need those things. And, you know, both of those things, um, cuts and courage, um, are inside jobs. They're not something anybody else can give to us. It's something that we have to open up ourselves. And I often use the analogy, Neil, that courage is a door that has a handle only on the inside. And it's a door, you know, it only has one doorknob and it's a knob that we have to open ourselves. Nobody else can do it for us. People can cheer us on to have courage and to have the guts to get back up and keep going. But it is that door that we need to open. And I think that becomes our first courageous act, doesn't it? When we open that door to say, okay, I am going to try my very best to take the next step. Because sometimes it's simply the next step. Maybe it's the next step of getting out of bed today. Maybe it's the next step of, of, of breathing or eating today. But to take the next step, that's the first courageous act. And every time we do that, they compound. Well, we are going to take a little bit of time as our conversation unfolds to talk about what our faith, uh, what God has as a place in developing this sort of guts, this courage, this resilience to be able to face the challenges that we're facing. And uh, you can reflect on characters like Job or Joseph Mm. or Moses or Jesus, uh, the apostles in the New Testament. They've got all sorts of problems that they've worked through and with growing and established resilience and we'll get into some of that but you've got your own story to tell and you tell it remarkably in your book Remarkable You but 
Uh, and I often get you to recount a few of the details of your story because uh, it relates once again to the topic today. Uh, give us a little insight into your own challenges in uh, getting that resilience in your own life, Wendy. Sure, and I'll just do a short recap of that. And, and this is a, a story that if there's children around, it's um, probably you know, not a story for children to hear. So it's, you know, beware that small ears warning that um, just take a moment and, you know, step away or, you know, move them out of the space of where the radio is. Um, i just share briefly one day of my life. Um, when I was 13, um, I grew up in a, in a home full of domestic violence and um, alcoholism. Uh, when I was 13, um, my father decided that that was the day that he would take his life. Um, and not only take his life but include me in his suicide. Uh, he um, he laid down on my bed that particular day after drinking all day with my mum at, at the pub and he asked me to hand him his uh, his rifle, which I did. I was, you know, he was my dad and I loved him even though he was a very violent man. Um, and what he did immediately, he um, he put that in his mouth and I won't go into what happened, you can imagine, but he did that in front of me. So he committed suicide right there in front of me at 13 and then, uh, and he included me in that, right? So here I am 13, witnessing the biggest horror of my life, um, so I thought. And then uh, for me, you know, I raced out of there and took my brothers and sisters out of that scene. Um, that night, we were staying with an auntie and uncle with my mum, who was also an alcoholic, uh, and my uncle uh, raped me simply because he could. So the horror of that day just scarred my life and and caused me to be, dare I say, unresilient. Uh, I became very bitter and very angry. Uh, and I was following those patterns of suicide and alcoholism, abuse, all those things, that generational inheritance that, that we can inherit and think our legacy we think it's what we have to live and we have to leave for those that come behind us uh, in but when I was 34 I realized that I had the power to make a great choice you know here I am four children married twice uh, con- uh, contemplating suicide on a regular basis uh, when I was 34 I reached out to Jesus and in that moment he met me where I was he met me where I was and what led me to reach out was I remembered, because I'm here by this stage, I'm sitting in a church and, you know, pretending to be a Christian, pretending I have this relationship that really I didn't know what that deep relationship with Jesus was all about and still contemplating suicide. Um, but God wants more of us. He wants to take us to really desiring that relationship with him. And that's what I found. And in that moment, um, I reached out to him thinking if I could just touch the hem of his gown, he would save me because my other option that day was suicide and I was deadly serious about that. And he moved in and reached me where I was. So from that moment, I realised that I could change, that I could bounce back from the first 34 years of my life and turn that around. Um, bit of a nutshell story, Neil. As you know, there's a little more to that. and But the truth, they're the true facts of it and that's what changed my life and realised that no matter the circumstance you find yourself in, we can't change them. So often we can't. We can't change what's happening around us here in Australia and in the world at the moment. But the power we have to change is us. You know, what's God saying to us in this moment? How do we partner with him in this season to be able to bounce back? You know, and I love what it says in um, Exodus when it said, 
And Moses answered the people and said, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. And, you know, for me, for that moment, I had to stand firm if I wanted to create something different. Undoubtedly, there'll be some listeners today who are in the middle of uh, such circumstances. Uh, They feel like there is no light at the end of the tunnel and uh, they need some level of strength to be able to survive today. And uh, as you say, there are all sorts of options that people have and uh, a lot of those are dreadful choices to make. But surviving change uh, starts with a moment when you decide to surrender to God. Uh, That for you was uh, the moment that you began to change, but it takes a little while to grow that level of resilience and understand the strength that we have in our faith, doesn't it, Wendy? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think um, I think we're we're fooling ourselves if we think it's going to happen overnight, right? And um, for that moment, you know, for me, I thought, okay, everything's going to be better tomorrow. But we have to take daily steps, and we it's 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 a process of growth, and it's realizing that out of the things that are happening or the things that have happened, we can grow. So, what are the things that we can do? And then, you know, in my book, I talk a lot about. The biggest thing for me was attitude. I was so bitter and so resentful and so angry that it started with one thing. And for me, it was thinking about my attitude. What is the one thing I can do? How do I turn this this attitude that I have that's affecting everybody around me to turn it differently? And so it's picking the one thing that you can do. And I think when we're overwhelmed at times like we're in at the moment, we just don't know what to do. And so thinking one thing we can do, not what we can't do. And what can happen, Neil, is we can get caught up in replaying all the disaster over in our mind, like this this movie that just we want to change the ending, but we can't. So we start to think about, well, that's done and dusted. What can we do now? What's one thing? How do I get up today? How do I find something positive? And, and find being in the Word for me was just a lifesaver. You know, finding out what God was saying to me and finding the words on hope, you know. Um, I, I spent a lot of time in Ephesians. I spent a lot of time in Hebrews working through what that would look like in my life. How would I find this hope so I could turn things around? Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to join in our conversation today. Wendy Burns is our guest. We're talking about resilience and uh, always love a down to earth conversation because so many people are facing so many challenges right now. A down-to-earth conversation, no doubt, is where people want to be in talking about facing the things we're facing. Wendy, I wonder if we can talk, perhaps even on some practical level, about the things we can do to find a way through when we are really facing, feeling like we're under the weight of the world right now. Yeah, look, and, and that's, a, that's a, great, um, a great thought and a great question, Neil. Thinking about um, one of the things that I think is really helpful is some of the tools are being thankful, being thankful in the moment, finding one thing to be thankful for as you start your day. And I mean, that sounds so simple and so, you know, um, I don't mean it to be, you know, condescending, but it is about what is one thing that you're thankful for because it actually sets you up 
in a better way for the day. And then for me, it is at the end of the day, I have kept a gratitude journal where I, I write something that I'm grateful for today. Maybe it's an area I've grown in or, you know, the fact that I, I did survive the day. But thinking about booking the ending your day with some positive things really makes a difference and it helps you with your attitude. The other thing was when we're under pressure, when we're under challenges, we withdraw. You know, we, we, we want to withdraw. We don't want to share. We don't want to affect anybody else with what we're going through. But that's the time when the enemy really comes in like a flood. So it's important that we're connecting, that we're connecting with family. We're connecting with a church, even if it's a church online, but that we're connecting in some form, you know, on the phone, on FaceTime, on Zoom, whatever you can do to connect with other people is really important so that we're not isolated because when we're isolated, our perspective changes and we become very inwardly focused and uh, it's good to be able to change that perspective and look at it in a different way. Wow. In a modern age of social media, we can feel as though we're in some ways connected with others. But uh, if we think around God's idea of community and uh, even right back to Genesis uh, chapter 2, it's not good for man to be alone. We're supposed to be in relationship and community and church creates that relationship. God has given to us a wider family to help with that community. Ending a day on positive things. As you say, Wendy, a gratitude journal, something to do practically where you can actually see what you ended yesterday with or the day before or last week. And if those things are positive, you're reminded of just how significant those things can be. And of course, uh, build that in around your own Bible reading. And that's a recipe for success, no doubt. Oh, look, absolutely. When when I when I made that choice not to commit suicide, to really understand what this life with Jesus with Jesus was about, journaling became my go-to. Spending time in the Lord, writing things down, really made a difference for me. And and we get to go back, as you say, and look. We get to go back and look at where God has brought us. It's a record of growth. It's you know, it's like um, when Moses was bringing the people out, you know, out. We go back to and we get to read that. That's that's a record of how God is faithful. And guess what? He's the same for us. Well, when we read the Bible, it's not just a book full of nice stories. In fact, it's hard to find mm. nice stories in the Bible. The Bible is full of resilience-oriented stories, the way that people were under the worst sorts of pressures and had to rely on God to have his deliverance. So time in God's Word, the Bible, the Bible tells me, who I am. The Bible tells me what God has promised to do in me. God has given to us a plan and we fit in with his plan. That's where that alignment happens. And so, Wendy, for people spending some time with God at the end of the day, uh, some people like the beginning of the day. You're obviously an end of the day person. Uh, Any thoughts on what's better? I do both. I actually start my day. I'm sorry. I start my day in the Word. And at the end of the day, I just have a little uh, reading book that I read before I go to sleep and I journal in my gratitude journal. I've learned that that's what I need. I do both. But it's working out what works best with you. It is about spending time with God, though. There's no shortcut to that, Neil. There's, you know, no, no magic source, no, no thing that will, will, will grow that relationship with our time in the Word because that's our roadmap. That's what brings us through. In fact, uh, there's the Word for Today devotional uh, that gets oh, distributed yes. through Vision here, and I'm just reflecting because I read it this morning, 
And uh, it's not just about resilience, but there's a prayer in today's devotional. For listeners, uh, find today's word for today. There's a prayer there. And uh, so far as resilience goes, the prayer fits beautifully for a conversation that we are talking about today. Uh, Wendy, let's talk about the outcome of the challenges we find ourselves in the way that these moments that we go through, in fact, define us and and actually can be good things. Let's talk about finding a bit of a silver lining here. What are your thoughts? Uh, Defining moments are are so important and it's, you know, it's like we're going down a road and we have in the fork of the road which way are we going to go? We're either going to go right or left. Right is, you know, is down the road of hopelessness. Left is the road of hope and the road of growth. And there, for me, I think defining moments, and, you know, I've certainly had many of those in my life, deciding will I stay in that space of despair or disaster or will I look for an opportunity to grow out of it? And we can call these circumstances and these challenges that we face as obstacles. You know, it's an obstacle on that fork of the road. What are we going to do? But if we turned, if we work to turn our thinking around on that and change our perception of that and think more about, well, okay, what if this is a... Um, an opportunity to grow out of this? What if we looked at it almost like if it's an obstacle? What if we looked at it, I'll throw another thought in here, Neil, a bit like resistance training. You know, when we, we, we get to that experience decision fatigue, but what is, is happening in those moments is what if God's building emotional fortitude within us? Uh, you know, those moments when we want to throw in the towel, what if God is preparing us for something bigger when we, we have this defining moment that, you know, if we choose the good, choose to step in, even though we don't know what's going to happen, um, that we will grow out of that. And, and, you know, so often, you know, in these circumstances, we can pray that prayer, Lord, I don't know what is going to happen here, but I trust you anyway. I think that is that defining moment um, where we get to stay um, rehearsing disaster, uh, rethinking about um, what's gone on and the hopelessness around us. Or we can choose that other road and think about, okay, what will happen if I go down here? And then it starts with that one step, doesn't it? You mention the ability to choose our response to the things that we're going through. Uh, sometimes we're in our own little pity party and uh, feeling like there is no way out. Uh, how do you uh, just uh, you know, get that courage? Uh, you were saying earlier, have some guts about choosing your response and then, you know, making movements uh, to move forward, uh, holding strong, uh, having some resolve and uh, moving out of what you're in. How do you, uh, how do you uh, talk about choosing your response? Look, and, and there's no, there's no easy solution to choosing your response. It is about making a good choice. If I go back to that moment when I was on my lounge room floor, you know, will I commit suicide? Will I reach out to Jesus? And that was a choice I made that day. And I know that's a dramatic choice and it's not the choice we make, you know, we have to face every day. And for some, it may be, but it's about what is the, the choice that I can make today? What is a good choice that I can make today? And, and so that is that guts. Instead of uh, thinking, well, if, the, if it's a drinking issue, do I have that next drink? Or do I, do I not? That's a choice. You know, do I, do I become abusive with my family or my children or do I not? That's a choice. So that's where that courage comes in, 
courage store of thinking, what is the better choice here? You know, what is, what is the right attitude? What is the right priority that I should be taking? And it is the power of choice. Like everything, it is about that. If we think about Job, it was the power of choice, what he was going to do. You know, all of the things that we read in the Bible, it, it leads us to the power of choice. God gives us this free will. And, I, you know, I think there's never been a time when we need that even more than we do right now to think about what is the choice I should make? What is the better choice? And sometimes, Neil, it just needs to be 1% better. You know, just one little step, 1% better will give us that exponential growth in ourselves. Or we'll see that circumstance a little bit better. So, yeah, that's what I see as choice and defining moments. Wendy, sometimes we think the things happening to us are beyond our control. Somebody else made those decisions. Uh, Woe is me. Uh, Is there choice even when things are happening beyond our control? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That is one of the biggest things. We can't control anybody else. My gosh, that was such a lesson I had to learn. I was, I am a recovering control freak. I have to say, I still have to work on that because we want to control everybody else's actions around us. But we can't control that. But what, we can't be responsible for what somebody else does. But we can be responsible Himmy, response-able. We can be response-able for our own actions. So we can't change the circumstance. We can't change what somebody else is doing. But what can we do? How can we respond in this? And I talked about uh, some of this out at Galawinku is about, you know, do do we accept that next lot of violence or do we speak to somebody? Do we we reach out for help? So that then we become responsible for our own choices and our own actions. I think that was a great learning for me, Neil, and I really believe that if we can do that as an individual, as a listener, think about what what can I do? Again, not what somebody else is doing, but what can I do? How do I respond? How do I behave? Because one of the things is two wrongs never make a right in any of this. So thinking about our behaviour and our choices. I've probably taken you down another track altogether now, Neil. <laughs> That's all right. Let's keep that. let's keep this really practical because I'm just uh, the sense that there's some listeners, not everyone, but some listeners who are hanging on every word. If we're talking practical things, you know, tools in the tool chest, uh, perhaps for men, uh, men tend to understand uh, that perhaps uh, more than some women, but uh, the tools that we might need to become stronger, practical things uh, to overcome uh, the issues we're facing. Any uh, more practical insights here, Wendy? Sure, and and there's a great list. I I think about, you know, what's a practical tool? We're thinking about today as a start. You know, often when challenges come, they're filled with the fear of tomorrow, right? But really, what if we turn our attention on to today? So think of one of the tools is starting by what is my attitude like? What are other people experience of my attitude today? Think about the priorities that we have today. How do we act on the right priorities for today? For me, have I been in the word? If, if I'm a bit all over the place, I know that I've missed my quiet time. What are the healthy guidelines that I'm practicing for me today? And maybe if you're the parent, for your family. Uh, Another tool is how do I care for those within my care today? It's a really good practical tool because it takes our mind off ourselves and we start to think about somebody else. 
another key is to practice good thinking. If we're busy replaying the disasters in our mind or rehearsing the disaster in our mind, we're not practicing good thinking. Thinking so back to what are we thinking on? And I, you know, there's a scripture that tells us about that, doesn't it? And then what are our commitments? What are the commitments that I need to keep today? What are the proper commitments that will keep me strong and, and keep me courageous? Uh, another one I think is really important I mentioned earlier is how do we invest in solid relationships? How do we stay connected? How do we stay connected with family, with church, with community, even with one person? And another one that's really great and you'll think, gosh, this, is, this seems out of place. But what if we model generosity? What if we look to value somebody else today and, and do something for somebody else today? Again, it takes our thinking off us and it puts our thinking onto somebody else. And start to think about your own values. Where do they fit into this? Let's talk hope for a moment. Sometimes misunderstood, but hope has to be one of those important ingredients if you're talking about resilience you know if God is for me who can be against me what sort of hope do I have because God is on my side Uh, your thoughts around hope Uh, it's a great word isn't it and and sometimes hope just doesn't make sense to keep hoping when everything looks like a disaster but um, but without hope uh, I don't believe we can move forward and we certainly can't grow ourselves. It is a necessary ingredient in, in, in resilience. Uh, if we have no hope, we have no reason to hold on and, and we feel like we're absolutely lost in it all. So finding, uh, finding or, or making the choice, let me say, to hope. Making the choice to hope and opening, opening ourselves up to God will give us that sense of there is hope, there is a way forward. And we've got some fabulous scriptures that, that talk to us about hope, haven't we? You know, that, that tell us to hold on with hope. And there's some that tell us to hold on and be strong and, and to be courageous. And I think that's where hope comes into play. When we can be strong and courageous, we can hold on with hope. So I don't think we get by without that, that, that choice to hope, do you, Neil? No, we have to have uh, ways that are, that hope is reinforced in us. And so I imagine that uh, listeners will have uh, some grasp of hope, but it's a matter of putting one dimension next to another dimension, next to another dimension, and that hope uh, continues to build in our hearts and in our lives. You like to pray, and this is an interesting practical thing that you can do. And no matter if you're a brilliant prayer or you're just crying out from the depths of your heart, the idea of praying is a powerful way of getting this resilience in place too because uh, you're actually calling on God, and when he's there with you, you're going to be stronger. Oh, absolutely. Prayer is key. Like, and it doesn't have to to be this stupid, you know, a thousand word prayer. Um, as I said before, often, you know, I will pray, God, I do not know what how this is going to turn out, but I trust you. And it just can be simple. You know, it tells us to pray simply and even the Lord's prayer, you know, or, or God, how do I partner with you for this? How do I partner with you in this this circumstance that feels like a disaster? In Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 10.23 and it says, wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within you, knowing that God always keeps his promises. And that's that's the reason we pray. Isn't it? That's the reason we reach out to God is knowing that He is faithful and that He will keep His promises, that He will meet us exactly where we're at. 
we don't have to have this, um, you know, this monologue of prayer. It can just be a simple prayer. And God just reaches out to us. I was reading this um, the other night in one of my nightly readings about the, the scripture and being still before the Lord. And it gave a great example, Neil, of what if before we go to sleep at the night time, we just lay there, we just open our heart up to God and just really be still before him and let him speak into our heart. What if we do that? And just still and settle our minds down, start, let, settle down the racing and just be still before God and open up to what he has to say. Wonderful insights. Taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Sterling is in Ararat in Victoria. Hi, Sterling. Welcome. Hi, Neil. Welcome back. We missed you, mate. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for that. I had a nice little break. But, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts, Hi, Sterling? Look, um, I, I've been through it. I think very few people haven't. Um, and um, what worked for me is um, I, I got into the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 88 became a very good prayer for me to the Lord as to how I was feeling. And it, it's really quite a really heartfelt uh, Psalm. However, it moves into Psalm 89, which is a Psalm of praise. So what I did was use that Psalm, Lord, this is how I'm feeling, to really let him know, and then move into praise and worship. And I think what gave me comfort is knowing that our Lord Jesus, our Saviour, he's experienced every one of these emotions himself. He's felt the feeling of abandonment, of sorrow, of fear, of worry. He, he, he can identify with everything we're going through, and that alone gives me comfort. And knowing that there's weeping at night, but joy comes in the morning. Wonderful thoughts, Sterling, and uh, mm. we can't forget Jesus in Gethsemane. And, uh, mm. you know, those uh, sweats uh, as drops of blood, the intensity of being uh, up against facing the cross. Uh, your thoughts for yeah. Sterling, Wendy? Oh, Sterling, that's absolutely wonderful. I love the Psalms. My, my, I have a, a passion translation of the Psalms and I read it continually. But you touched on something I have forgotten to touch on and that's praise and worship. Isn't that such a key to be able to changing even the atmosphere in your home? And, you know, as you praise and even putting praise music on in the background, it changes the atmosphere in your home and within your heart. Sterling, well done. That's a great example for the listeners. Wonderful stuff, Sterling. Thank you so much for your call. Just to uh, to pick up on something here uh, that Sterling introduced us to, presenting the problem, then coming to a time of praise and worship. Sometimes I feel like uh, God doesn't want to hear my problems. We might think he already knows them, but he's happy to hear us pouring out our heart uh, whether we're uh, in a time of uh, of real, uh, you know, angst, uh, even uh, angriness, uh, bitterness, all of those emotions that we've actually mentioned and touched on, but God's not afraid to hear those emotions. But as Sterling says, uh, go from Psalm eighty eight to Psalm eighty nine and uh, take that problem to God, and then move into a time of praise and worship because he's the one who ultimately has that solution. Any thoughts on that sort of progress, Wendy? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I love that. And I was reading recently, uh, so I had a pen in the word for today because that's one of my readings. Sorry, I've got jets going over us here. So sorry that's about right. that. Um, when 
we, we, we do, we can present that problem to God and we should. But what if we present our problem? What if we present God to our problem? And that's what I read because often our focus is on the problem. But what if we present God to our problem and we speak to whatever the issue is uh, in the name of Jesus? What if we speak those scriptures out loud over the problem that we're facing? And that was, you know, it's a great way to, to spin that around because our focus can be on the issue instead of on the problem solver. And um, that's, that's a great way of looking at it as well. And, and again, praying scriptures out loud, Neil, I don't know about you, but I love that. I love being able to speak them out loud. And I think that really does, it speaks it into the atmosphere. And as we speak it out loud, it gets deeper and deeper into our hearts. Wonderful stuff. Let's take another call. Greg is in Alstonville in New South Wales. Hello, Greg. Welcome along. Yeah, hi there, Neil. Greg, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I appreciate the discussion today and, look, hope's a really important thing. Um, but, look, I just wondered if um, your, your guests would have some specific advice for all the New South Wales teachers and healthcare workers and police officers who are refusing to be vaccinated because we feel it's coercion and unnecessary. It's a whole another different argument. But could could you guess sort of give a particular light on the the hope, something we can look forward to to have resilience in this this real real problematic time? Uh, Wendy, it's a really challenging time for a lot of people. Uh, what are your thoughts here for Greg? Oh, that's that's a really big question, Greg. And, and I'm not, I'm not a uh, a medical expert in this in any way. And I think it is about uh, holding on to your truth of who you are in God, I think it's really important. Uh, and I understand those challenges. I have family in those organisations, so I understand that. I think it is uh, choosing to know who you are, who you are, and knowing your truth and not getting caught up in something that's not your truth, I think is is really important. Um, it's, yeah, I do understand and I do acknowledge the difficulties that you are facing. Greg in Alstonville, uh, good to raise the issue because uh, it is one of those things uh, that as you're looking for, how do I get through problems that are beyond me? I don't want to be forced to have a vaccination. Uh, I may need to put up with some temporary hardship in that and uh, in the hope that somehow or other on the other side, there might be some common sense prevail and there might be a restoration of that equality between the vaccinated and the yeah. unvaccinated. My goodness, what a challenging time this is. Uh, Wendy, not too much time left in our conversation. I wonder whether we might just perhaps uh, finish on the idea of uh, of whether we put things off. Uh, what do you do right now? Uh, I know you think of issues around the idea of today matters for those who are facing challenges seemingly too big for themselves, wanting to bring God into the circumstance, as you say, put God first and let him be part of our problems. Uh, what are your thoughts on taking action today? Oh, it's so important that uh, we think about right now where we are. You know, we can't, we, we don't know even what tomorrow will bring. You know, we've just heard that from Greg and, and from our other callers. We don't know what, what awaits us tomorrow. So thinking about what, what is that one thing that I can do today? So focusing on today, focusing on your loved ones around you, uh, thinking about uh, what's one 
thing that I can do to grow myself, to grow my family, to bring peace into my home, uh, to connect with somebody if I'm on my own. I think focusing and making today matter, uh, that and those daily things will compound. We know they do. Uh, and being in the Word, you know, I think that the comforting psalm that, that I find at the moment is Psalm 139. I know I use that all the time, but it says that, you know, God knows every step. He goes behind us to protect us from the harm of our past, and He goes ahead of us to make a way for our future. We know we have a future in Him. We don't know what that looks like. And, you know, the Bible doesn't say we won't have challenges, but anchoring to Him, knowing whose we are and who we are in Him, I think is key, Neil. Wonderful stuff, Wendy Burns. Time has run out. Some listeners may want to connect with you personally, and uh, you're always happy to hear from listeners. Uh, the best way to connect with Wendy Burns, who is the the author of the book Remarkable You, and no doubt you'll be able to get a hold of Wendy's book when you go to her website, remarkableyou.com.au, or you can simply Google Remarkable You, Wendy Burns, and you'll be able to get it from online booksellers. But Wendy is a consultant and coach. She's an executive director on the John Maxwell team, having joined the John Maxwell University. Uh, she's on the line with us today from Darwin in the Northern Territory, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, there are listeners uh, in uh, Galawinku and uh, in uh, the other uh, the spot that you had a wonderful opportunity to go to, Nullanboy, and there's listeners in yeah. uh, in those two communities and throughout Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory. And, uh, Wendy, wonderful to hear of your uh, travels and opportunities that are opening up for you there as your home is now in Darwin. But the uh, the website, remarkableu.com.au. Uh, Wendy Burns, thanks so much for sharing your heart with us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil, for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.